Holy Spirit, we adore your presence. We adore your magnificent presence. Thank you for this sweet presence. We acknowledge your ministry in this service. You are the chairman of this service. The chief of this service. Enlightening your people. Flood their hearts with the revelation of Jesus. Heal every sick. Give us testimonies. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let my teaching come with precision. Let the truth be established in your hearts. And let them come to maturity, Lord. Let them come to know what is the hope of their calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of your power to us, what who believe? According to the working of your mighty power, which was wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead. Far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but in that which is to come. Thank you, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Wow. How many are excited this morning to be here? It's a very lovely morning. I don't know, but I'm I'm just seeing wonderful things in the spirit. Wow, this is too good. How many sense the anointing so strong here? I don't know about you, but I sense it so strongly. Please be seated in the heavenly realms. Just we give you praise, Lord, for such a beautiful atmosphere. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. This is good. It's good. It's a, it's a beautiful atmosphere. Alright, so please you may be seated. Are you ready for the word? Yes. Okay, so in LGCC, what we have uplift most is what? The word. The word. Praise God. So if there's anything you know about me, I'm a prophet of the word. The word. I didn't hear you. I'm a prophet of the word. You know, sometimes we allow signs to take over the move of God. And today many churches have bought into that. We hear scientists discover that the human brain cannot be able to take about 45 minutes of listening. Are you watching me? It's a lie. You know, it's a beautiful excuse of not making people learn. So we hear people saying the human mind cannot be able to take after 45 minutes. So how do you watch a movie the whole day? 
can't your human mind I'm teaching good here <laughs> so you see some of these things are excuses so most of the time when people go for meetings where teachings are long they're like no this man doesn't understand this 45 minutes concept why is it that the lecture halls have not bought into it why is it that your lecturers don't teach you for 45 minutes and allow you to go and they teach you for how long three credit hours are they mad does it make sense so you see it doesn't it doesn't work it's just a scientific experiment to help believers to make them more lazy because in the early church they taught for long are you following me there was a time paul, paul taught all night there was a man listening to him and dozing off i pray nobody dozes off this night and the guy fell from the top with his head dashed on the ground and the guy died whilst Paul was preaching he healed the guy put the guy back on the chair and still continued preaching go and read it the book of Acts there was a time Paul had to teach people from morning till evening they didn't say oh Paul, Paul, Paul it's okay Paul, we can't take it in this generation, you can't teach for two hours. But if you give me one hour teach, I can't teach for one hour. It's difficult for me. Because what I want to put into you, one hour can't do it. Are you here with me? So someone says, the man of God is smart. He's psyching our mind before. That's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> Praise God. There is too much about Jesus to know. I'm telling you. There is too much about Jesus to know. On Sunday, I started teaching on walking in divine health. Which is a teaching every believer must hear because these are very serious truths in God's word that believers must receive. Praise God. Let me quickly do a recap of what we did on Sunday. In LGCC, when you are coming, you must come with your notebooks and diary because some of the things you'll be teaching, you cannot store them in your mind. You cannot also type it on your phone. So you need to get your notebook and diaries anytime you are visiting us. God bless you. So we said there is a difference between divine healing and divine health. I'm teaching on walking in divine health. There's a difference between divine healing and divine health. And this is how we divide it very quickly. We said divine healing is the removal by the power of God of the disease that has come upon your body. It's the removal by the power of God of the disease that has come on your body. Then we said divine health is to live day by day. Now listen carefully. Divine health is to live day by day, hour by hour, in touch with God so that the life of God flows in the body just as the life of God flows in your spirit. We also said in healing our sick bodies are made well through the intervention of God's power. That's in healing. But in divine health, the preservative power of God that is contained in the atonement of Jesus Christ is able to keep us in health in such a way that we don't need healing. 
So if, if you, you didn't catch it, get the audio message when we are done. Praise God. Now, I, I made some slight difference. You can receive divine healing, but you must walk in divine health. You can receive divine healing, but you must walk in divine health. That means walking in divine health is not by accident. Are you following this teaching? We also said divine health is a state of the believer where his physical body is free from sickness and disease and weakness by virtue of God's power at work with him. It's a state of the believer where his physical body is free from disease and sickness by virtue of God's power at work in what? In him. We also established one beautiful truth. Can a believer get sick? The answer is what? Yes. Does a believer have to get sick? No. So, master, can a believer get sick? Yes. Does a believer have to get sick? No. Why? Because Jesus paid for it. Jesus did what? He did what? Come on, shout it. Jesus paid for my sickness. Now listen, this truth must settle in your spirit before this teaching goes on. Jesus has paid for my sickness. So if you find a believer who is sick, it means it's by choice or by ignorance or by other factors I'm going to be sharing with you here. These are very critical issues. Every believer must come to understanding. Praise God. Good. Now we also got to understand the origin of sickness. Now, many a times we hear teachings like uh, sickness came from Satan. No, Satan does not even have the ability to create sickness. He can create nothing. Sickness came as a result of the fall. We said when sin entered into the world, sin produced death. And death introduced decay. So from decay and corruption, we have sickness. So what Satan does is that he takes advantage of what the fall produced and puts it on believers to mock God for his creation. So Satan is not the source of sickness. Sin is the source. Are you following this teaching? This is key. We gave you scriptures. I don't want to go into it, but I have to. In Romans chapter 8, the verse 19 to 22. Please, when you go home, you can read that. So get the teaching. We also explained that in the Bible, there were some people who walked in divine health and strength. One of them is who? We said Adam was one of them. After Adam sinned, the leftover life contained in his body was able to keep him for 939 years before he died. The leftover life. So we who have no sin in our spirit, can the fullness of God's life preserve our bodies for long? Yes. But it is not automatic. Number two, we spoke of Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 34, the verse 7. The Bible tells us, and Moses died at the age of 120. The Bible says his, his eyes were not dim, nor his natural force or strength abated. In other words, Moses died 120 as 20. Praise God. 
We also looked at Joshua and Caleb in the book of Joshua chapter 14, the verse 7 and 11. He was 85 years old and he says, no, now I have the strength as though I was 40 when I fought battle. So it is possible for a believer to live in divine health and strength. It's possible. We said the chief man himself was Jesus Christ. He was never visited at Kolebu. If he was going to the hospital, he was going to discharge someone. He was never sick. The only time he got sick was on the cross. And he did that for you and for me when he was paying the price. Jesus was never sick. So we looked at why do believers get sick? Please, you need this teaching. You need this teaching. You know, I'm not a type that will say, from today I declare. No. I must teach you. I want to open your eyes to some realities that when believers discover, the scales will fall off their eyes and they get to enjoy what Jesus has done for them. We said number one reason why believers get sick is ignorance. It's ignorance and irresponsibility. Ignorance. The Bible told us emphatically that for the lack of knowledge, my people perish. So people don't perish because of lack of prayer. They perish because of lack of what? Knowledge. It's unfortunate many believers are not accountable to God's word. Because they trivialize God's word. Mm. there are many believers who are not concerned about spiritual things because they think spiritual things is time wasting but brother spiritual things is all you have because life is spiritual and you live life from the spirit so imagine a believer who does not understand spiritual things you are exposed are you following me here? So you don't say, I don't want to get involved with these spiritual things. You are already involved because you receive Jesus. Tell somebody you're already involved. So we have many believers who are comfortable with ignorance. They are okay being ignorant. But it's dangerous. Praise God. There are so many things in God's word concerning what Jesus has done in healing. And you must know. Haven't you realized the Bible did not say the truth shall set you free? Because the truth does not set free. Thank you for that look. The truth does not set free. Go and read your scriptures. In John chapter 8 from the verse 32. He says your knowledge of the truth. And you shall know the truth. So it is not the truth that sets free. It's your knowledge of the truth that sets you free. So, if you don't know, no matter what Jesus suffered for, you cannot partake of it. I'm teaching good here. The Bible tells us your body is God's temple. That means when you got born again, God took your body. He did not hide it. He paid for it. With the blood of Jesus. He did not rent it. Your body is not God's hotel. It's his home. His headquarters on earth. Your body became his temple. And he lives in this body. So if your body is God's temple. You must take care of it. How? By knowing who you are in Christ. It's your responsibility to take care of your body. 
I'm helping someone here. So knowledge is everything. In Isaiah chapter 33, verse 6, Isaiah looked into the prophetic future and he says, wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times and the strength of salvation. So Isaiah prophesied that wisdom and knowledge will make a man stable in this time and the strength of salvation. So how strong you are in your understanding of salvation. Salvation is what Jesus wrought for us without us. How strong you are in the, in the knowledge of salvation depends on you. Your knowledge of it. Praise God. 2 Peter 1 the verse 2, he says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and our, our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied. So with whatever revelation you know, grace for that revelation is multiplied unto you. Praise God. Tell somebody, know the truth. Number two, we said wrong doctrine is also one of the reasons why believers get sick. So the first one is ignorance. So you find believers getting sick and they feel, okay, it's normal, it's just cold. No. I told you it's not sickness that kills, it's death that kills. Because we have people who have slight headaches and they died. Slight headaches, slight leg pains and they died. And you, you see on the poster, what a shock. That will not be your story this year in Jesus' name. Ignorance of God's word. Tell somebody, I refuse to be ignorant. Wrong teaching. I told you a false teacher is more serious than a false prophet. Because when a false prophet prophesies to you, the best thing that can happen is that it won't happen. But when a false teacher teaches you, he controls your eternity. How you live on this earth and how you be in eternity is on teaching. And there are people today who have been enveloped in the error of wrong teaching in first timothy chapter 4 from the verse 1 he says now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirit and what doctrines of devils so you must understand that there are doctrines that are not from god any doctrine that is not focused on the finished work of jesus christ could be a doctrine of demons And there are people today who are in bondage because of wrong teaching. Listen, wrong teaching leads to wrong believing and wrong believing leads to wrong living. There are people today who are thinking by teaching that sickness is a punishment from God because of something they did. There are people today who believe that God uses sickness to teach them. Listen, the Holy Ghost is your teacher, not sickness. So if God wants to teach you, he does not need sickness to teach you. The Holy Ghost is your teacher. There are people who are sick today and their mind, based on the teaching they had, told them that it was what they did some years ago that God is repaying them. 
or what their parents did some years ago is what is repaying them you need to delete that error from your mind and this is the origin of where ancestral traces come from where you hear people say that because of your father what your grandfather who was a hunter he went to bring a god from the bush and because of his mistake it has affected you even though you are in Christ can you imagine that even being in Christ cannot save you from your grandfather's foolishness that's a serious matter you need to listen to what I'm saying whatever was not broken in Christ cannot be broken anywhere I'm telling you, if the cross could not break it, no anointing oil can break it. So we see believers who roll on the floor every month, but their life is still the same. And those same believers roll every month, every year, every two years, every three years, and they rise up on their feet with nothing changing. So the question is that, is breaking cases in process in months or in years? That is the problem. If any man be in Christ, he is, he will not be, he is a new creation. The word new is kindness, which means fresh, unused, and original. So the life in your spirit was not given by your parents. So any family tree, in fact, Jesus said, I'm the vine and you are the branch. So what is your family tree? Maybe it's family tree entertainment. Because if you have a family tree, it should be Christ. Because he's the vine and you are the branch. So your source is the vine. And the same life that flows through the vine flows through the branch. And a normal circumstance, the best person to go through ancestral crisis was Jesus. You know why? Because his root was not good. Jesus came from Pasolo, his root. Jesus was supposed to be a womanizer. Jesus came from Judah. Judah slept with his own daughter-in-law. Jesus should have committed incest. Jesus was the son of David from the root of David. David committed adultery, murder, and what? And lies. And converted someone's wife. Did you see Jesus doing that? When Jesus came, you know what he said? He says, I am from above. If you are in Christ, the only thing your parents gave you was a body. Their spirit, nobody around again. The Bible says, except a man be born again. The word born again is ginau anotem. Ginau means to... The word born there, which is ginau, it means to begin. So it's not just born, it means you are beginning. And the word anotem means from above or from the top. So born again means to begin life from the top. So you did not begin from here, you began from here. Believers must know this truth before it works. So wrong teaching have kept believers in bondage. So the more teachings they hear that after you are born again, it is not over. 
It's not over. There are some spirits from your family that you must deal with. If you don't deal with them, they'll deal with you. Now, for your information, this is a prophet talking. A prophet who has done professional deliverance before. A prophet who has casted out witches, uh, demons from witches. So I know what I'm saying. So for me to be delivered in my mind, and I'm telling you this, believe me. Wrong teaching is dangerous. That's the wrong teaching is dangerous. Today, God cannot strengthen believers through tribulation. You know why? Because to many believers, tribulation is demonic attack. So many are casting out God's plan for their life. If Apostle Paul was in a day today, he would have been recommended for deliverance. Because the kind of life he went through, it was not normal. Listen, whatever you believe becomes real. Did you hear what I said? Now this is revolutionary. Whatever you believe becomes real. That is why God has given you the gift of revelation. Because what you know, you become it. Oh, I don't want to dwell here too much. So God is not the originator of sickness. Why? Because in Acts 10.38, he says how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So sickness is an oppression from who? Satan. Not from God. In fact, Jesus came healing the sick. So how can he take from people what God has put on them? Tell me. Wrong teaching. Listen. When Jesus came, he was the exact expression of the Father. In other words, whatever you saw in Jesus is what the Father is. In John chapter 1 verse 18, he says no one has seen God at any time. And look at what he says. The only begotten son, which is in the bosom of the father, he had what? Declared who? Who, who is the him? God. He says nobody has seen God at any time. The only begotten son, which is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him the father. The word declare means explain or clarify. So Jesus was the one who clarified every error about God. How? Many thought that God put sickness on people and Jesus started healing the sick to tell us God does not put sickness on people. Jesus calmed the wind to let man know that he is not the cause of tsunamis. Jesus dined with sinners to let man know that God is not angry with sinners. He loves them. Jesus fed with loaves of bread to tell men that God is a provider. Not a taker. Jesus died for man to tell man that God loves man to the extent of him laying down his life. So Jesus is the exact blueprint of the Father. Whatever is not like Jesus is not like God. So every definition you have about God that is not like Jesus is not God. 
In Colossians 1.15, the Bible calls Jesus the visible image of the invisible God. So, Jesus gives visibility to the invisible God. You cannot see God, but if you see Jesus and his life on earth, you see who God is. Hmm. The disciples asked him, show us the Father and it will suffice us. And Jesus said, hey, I've been with you for, for so long a time. Are you asking me this question? He says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. In other words, after seeing Jesus, don't ask questions about the Father because Jesus is the Father. Hebrews 1.1, he says, God who has sundry times and in diverse manners, who, who spoke in time past through the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us in son. In son. Who is the brightness of his glory and the fulgence of his being? In other words, God is telling us that all what the prophets wrote and said were only fragmental pictures of who God is. When Jesus came, he became the crescendo of God's voice and the final revelation of God to man. He's the effulgence of his being, the exact brightness of his being. Colossians 2 9, the Bible says, For in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete. In him dwells the fullness. In other words, in the physicality of Jesus is the totality of the Father. So if you want to know God, look at who? Jesus. In fact, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Go and check the Greek word for word. The word word is logos. Logos means computation. It means reasoning. It means ideology. It means logic. It means thoughts. So the Bible says in the beginning was the word. It was saying in the beginning was God's logic. In the beginning was God's computation. In the beginning was God's explanation. In the beginning was God's reasoning. And the word became flesh. You know what it means? And God's reasoning became flesh. God's logic became flesh. God's reasoning became flesh. God's thoughts became flesh. So seeing Jesus was seeing God's logical reasoning. So whatever Jesus did to sickness was an explanation of how the father views sickness. He takes it away. That is what he does to sickness. I'm teaching good here. Today's message. Number three. Number three. Third reason why believers get sick. Wrong confessions. Now, some of these things you might have taken for granted, but they are serious things. If you take these things serious, I'm telling you, you will live a victorious life. On Wednesday before I began teaching, I was feeling, I don't know what, what I was feeling, but I was feeling very sick. And I told my body what it should do. And my body did it. And I'm here today. Still teaching. You are the custodian of your body. And you must tell your body what you want it to do. Number three, wrong confessions. Say wrong confessions. Wrong confessions is when your words are not consistent with the scriptures. Number two, wrong confession is altering words that are inconsistent with the finished work of Jesus. Right confession is actually talking the new creation language. That's right confession. Talking the new creation language. 
For information, there's a way the new creation must talk. How many know they are in Zion? If you know they are in Zion, lift up your hands. How? Because in Hebrews 12, 22, the Bible says, for you have come to Mount Zion. You have come to where? Mount Zion. So you are not marching to Zion, right? You have come to Mount Zion. Now look at what the Bible says about Mount Zion. Those who are there. It says, in Isaiah chapter 33, the verse 24, there is something beautiful there. Isaiah 33, the verse 24. Look, he says, and the inhabitants shall not say, I am you know the inhabitants, those who dwell in Zion. If you read the verse in context, if you start from the beginning, he was talking about those who dwell in Zion. He says, The inhabitants shall not say, shall not say, shall not say. So if you are in Zion, there is a language. Now, when a believer says, I am sick, do you know what he's saying? After teaching you, you'll be careful about saying, I am sick. Now, throughout the Old Testament, God had a name. His most unique name was what? I am. So I am was the name of God. Moses asked God, if I go to Pharaoh and he asked me, who sent me? Who should I say? He said, tell him, I am. So I am is whose name? Do you know there was a Lord that said that, said that God, uh, God said to them that thou shalt not call the name of the Lord in vain. Now, it doesn't mean saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. No. It means using the name without any fruitful meaning. So, the name of God is what? I am. When you say, I am sick, what are you saying? I am. I am. You just mentioned his name. Sick. You just mentioned his name in vain. But when you say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, you are actually using the name prophetically. I am glorious. I am full of divine life. I am full of health. You are using the name. Well, he says the inhabitants thereof shall not say what? I am sick. So instead of saying, I am sick, it's better to say, I'm feeling sick. You know what you're saying? You are saying that you are having some symptoms of sickness. You have not acknowledged receipt. <laughs> I'm helping someone here. Because the moment you say, I am, you have acknowledged receipt. I have it. Authenticated. I'm helping someone here. Joel chapter 3, the verse 10. Something beautiful there. I love lots of scriptures. So you must write that down. Look. Joel 3, 10. Joel 3, 10. Look. He says, beat your plowshares into salt and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am. You see, this is God's economy. He says, let the weak say, I am. In this life, let the weak say, I am weak. They must acknowledge receipt. Let the weak say, I am weak. It's normal for the world to say that. Because it's not you. Because of where you stay. Zion. He says, let the weak say, I am. When the weak says, I'm strong, it's not pride though. 
It's acknowledgement of your true state. Am I helping someone here? Yes. Tell somebody, I am strong. Do you see in Isaiah, he says, the inhabitants shall not say, I am. What, what, what are you supposed to say? I am. Now, this is the faith life. I'm not saying that if you are having some pain, you will not say it is not there. And they ask you, okay, how, how, how do you feel? Oh, there's no pain. You will die in grand style. Faith does not deny the condition. But faith accepts what God's word has said about the condition. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So faith does not deny that this thing is there. What faith does is that it believes what God's, God's word has said about that condition and he acts on God's word irrespective of how he feels. I told you how God healed me of, of, of a very severe migraine if I don't wear spectacles. When I saw the scripture, I put it in the cup. Trust me, for two weeks I was in severe pain. Mine was not a normal one. Severe pain. And I just said, I'm healed. I'm healed. Thank you, Jesus. I'm healed. And I couldn't watch TV because the moment I come into contact with light, I could not. Yet I was saying, thank you, Jesus. I'm healed. It got to a time after like a month, I forgot I was already healed. That's how God has designed it. Tell somebody, watch your confessions. Because words are spirit. In John 6, 63, he says, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and life. So words are spirits. Words are what? Spirit. In Proverbs 18, 21, he says, death and life is in the power of the tongue. Now, have you analyzed this scripture? He didn't say the power of death and life is in the tongue. Analyze it. He didn't say the power of death and life is in the tongue. He said death and life is in what? The power of the tongue. So the power is not in death and life. The power is in your tongue. So once your mouth activates it, you empower death or you empower life. So it is your mouth that either empowers death or life. So the power is not in death and the power is not in life. The power is in your tongue and you choose to empower any of them. Say, I speak life into my life. In Jesus' name, I walk in health. Listen, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the verse 13, Faith has a spirit. We call it the spirit of faith. Now look, he says we having the same spirit of faith. According as it's written, I believed and therefore I have spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. So whatever you believe must be spoken. You hear believers say, oh I believe, I believe, I believe. Speak it, oh I believe. Speak it, I believe, leave me. You know, you're not being honest to yourself. It's not the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith does not believe. The spirit of faith believes and speaks. Do you know who it was quoting? David! 
You know the story he was quoting? Goliath. David had five smooth stones. Yet he looked at Goliath and said, You come against me with sword and spear, but I come against you not with stone. He was having stone. Yet he says, I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. He didn't say in the name of the Lord. Go and check. He says in the name of the Lord of hosts. You know Lord of hosts? Lord of hosts means the Lord that comes with all his creation. So the sun is coming, the moon is coming, the stars are coming, all against one man. So David had a stone, but did not use stone. We have many believers who trust in what they have and not in the name of the Lord. He says, this day, look at what David said. This day, I will kill you and I will cut off your head. Can you cut off someone's head with a stone? He says, I'll cut off your head. Yet he was having a stone. What do you cut someone's head with? A sword. Yet he was having a stone. He says, I'll cut off your head. That's the spirit of faith. It's not there, but you speak it. And I'll give your carcass to the best of the earth. I'm sure David's big brothers will be watching him. Look at this proud boy. Look at this proud boy. Listen, when you are operating by the spirit of faith, people must not understand you. And listen, you must not be afraid of saying what you believe. Are you following what I'm saying? Don't be afraid what people will say against you. Say what you believe. There are people who choose to use their words anyhow. Leave them. Use your words well. And they say, Yes, that's what I am. He says, hmm. Oh, this year, my call hospital three times. Also, be cool. He said, Me, go to the hospital. In Jesus' name, he cannot work. If you like, lay hands on the guy and push the head. You're a girl. Is it many of us take things for granted? Many of us take things for granted. Rebuke it instantly. <laughs> there was something Pastor Moses' wife did that really touched me. And I mean, I added to my knowledge. When she delivered the son, there was a time somebody was playing with the son. And he says, Uti kesi or something. He says, Mi baniti nye kesi. He's intelligent. And I was like, wow. Don't agree. Don't agree. Instantly talk about it. Because your son is not yet wise enough to know what the guy is saying to the head. So stop it immediately. Or if the person is grown and you are shy of him, when... You take the baby and you are with him. Oh, what? Oh, no, 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 Why? Oh, no. Oh, no, I don't know. The tear is with a patrol. I don't know. It is a Barcelona. He says, You are blessed. You are anointed. The glory of God is in you. You are expressing divine life. You are intelligent. You are the head and not the tail. Then you, you, you change the atmosphere around the boy. 
Tell somebody words are powerful. Listen, do you know that you are what you said one minute ago? I've thought about it. You are what you said a minute ago. What you said a minute ago. You are it. Listen, as a believer, there are three areas you need to watch in your life. Number one is your mouth. Number two is your heart. And number three is your mind. These three areas, if you don't guard it, it will destroy your whole life. Do you know in James chapter 3, the verse 2, give it to me. I was surprised that the cause of a man's whole life is charted by his words. Your whole life is directed by this small mouth. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. And able also to bridle his whole body. He says a man who is perfect in word, the man is perfect in all things. You know why? Because he knows how to bridle his whole body. So your words can protect your whole body. Look at the next verse. He says, behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us. Look at that. And we turn about their whole... You know the bit when they put the horse's mouth right? He says, hey, we use this to make them obey us. God is saying you can use your mouth to make your body obey you. Your spirit is riding on your body because your body is that horse. Your mouth becomes the bridle that controls the affairs of your body. Look at the next verse. He says, behold also the ships. He says, which though they be so great. Look at how big some ships are. Like the Titanic ship. He says, and are driven of fierce winds. Yet they are turned about with a small, very small helm. Wheresoever the governor listed. Look at the next verse. He says, even so, the tongue is a little member. Look! Little member. Eh. Little member. And boasted great things. Behold, how great a matter. A little fire kindled. In other words, your mouth alone can set fire ablaze in your whole life. Look at the next verse. And the tongue is a f- is a hey. so look at you just analyze yourself the number of things you have bent in your life. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among your members that it defileth the whole and set it on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Look at the next verse. He says, for every kind of beast and of birds and of serpent and of things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed of mankind. Look at the next verse. He says, but the tongue can no man tame. You know why? Because only God can tame the tongue. How? Through his word. <laughs> because God gives you a new language to use the tongue for. He says, it is an unruly evil full of what? Deadly poison. So look at what the Bible is saying about your tongue. Deadly poison. So if your tongue can be deadly poison, that means your tongue can be life. Israel, God told them, you're going to possess the land. And they sent spies. When the spies came, God, uh, Moses sent 12. 10 of them came with an evil report. You know the evil report? He says, no, 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 no. We are not well able to possess there are giants we are grasshoppers 
and Joshua and Caleb tore their clothes. They were having a spirit of faith. He says, no. He says, they are bread for us. Now, what do you do to grasshoppers? You step on it. What do you do to bread? You eat it. It's either you are being trampled upon or you are feeding. So, your life can either be a grasshopper or bread depending on your words. And guess what? The generation that believed the evil report never entered the promised land. Except Joshua and Caleb. That tells you where your mouth can take you to. So some of you indirectly and ignorantly have made certain confessions over your life that you did not take notice of. But after some months, after some years, it is yielding fruit. I'm teaching good here. Quickly, let's take number four. Now this, this is a very critical one. Number four is condemnation and sin consciousness. It's a reason why we have believers sick. What is condemnation? Condemnation is a feeling of guilt and a sense of expected judgment. A feeling of guilt and a sense of expected judgment. Condemnation is a feeling of guilt and a sense of unexpected judgment. What is sin consciousness? You can write it down. Sin consciousness is consciousness of sin. (laughs) Sin consciousness is consciousness of sin. These two things are dangerous. Now, let me shock you with this. Sin consciousness is more dangerous than sin itself. Because it is sin consciousness that empowers people to sin. There are people today who are very good believers. But they are always living in sin consciousness. They haven't done anything bad, but they think they have done something bad. You see, the devil is so smart that he does not only condemn you in the bad things you do. He even condemns you in the good things you do. So when you even pray, he tells you you have not prayed enough. 30 minutes, but you call yourself a righteous believer. So even the good things you do, the devil condemns you. And sometimes you know you haven't done anything bad, but you feel like, ah, I've done something. Yet you have not done anything. It is called sin consciousness. It is killing many believers. The solution to sin consciousness is sound consciousness. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 the verse 1, he says, Now therefore there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. There is now therefore no condemnation. So God does not condemn you. So any sense of condemnation is not from God. Any sense of condemnation or feeling of a certain sentence coming on you is not from God. And listen, you'll be shocked that sin consciousness can produce heart problems. It can produce sicknesses. 
There are some people who did some sins some six months ago and they think God is still counting it against them. So anytime they feel some pain in their body, says, Ah, Eba. I said it. I knew God has not forgiven me. I knew it. He hasn't forgiven me. Hey, come. Condemnation and sin culture. So they are being hunted by the devil. For your information, Jesus was even accused by the devil. The Bible calls Satan an accuser of the brethren. There is nothing you can do in this world to please Satan. Yeah, I'm telling you. There is nothing you can do in this world to please Satan. Whatever you do, he will accuse you. He accuses you before God, accuses God before you, and accuses you to you. He tells God how sinful you are, tells you how angry God is with you, and tells you you are unworthy. That's what he does. So he reports you to God, God to you, and you to you. So you end up feeling dirty. Dirty. Condemnation. And there are people who have even committed suicide because of guilt. Now listen, there is a way of handling guilt. Do you know two, group, two people betray Jesus in the Bible? One's name is Judas. The other's name is Peter. Even Peter did his own three times. But Judas thought it was unforgivable. So he killed himself. Peter wept a little. And when Jesus appeared in resurrection, I was surprised Jesus did not even mention, say, Samekai. Peter, it's original. He did not mention it. He says, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, master. Feed my flock. Can you imagine? You commit the flock, the church of God, to a betrayer. I was surprised. Paul, a murderer of believers, in one of his epistles, he says, we have wronged no man. That's the power of sound consciousness. <laughs> of chief of sinners. Yet he says we have wronged no man. <laughs> Paul, what is wrong with you? Do you know in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith it mentioned Abraham, Moses, it mentioned Samson, it mentioned all the patriarchs. Do you know all of them sinned in the Old Testament? But in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, their sins was not mentioned. Their acts of faith was mentioned. That tells you God does not recall sins. So it was, he didn't, he didn't call it the, the Hebrew hall of sins. He called it the hall of faith. Is it not telling you something enough? In Romans chapter 8, the verse 33. Now look at what the scripture is saying. Oh, I was blessed. He says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? He said, who shall lay anything to the charge that you have done it? When you have even done it? He says, who? Do you know the answer? Let's read together. Don't add just, uh, that justifier. It is who shall lay anything to God's elect? It is 
Don't even add that justify. We want to know who can lay a charge against you. It is. So who can lay a charge against you? And what did he do for you? He justified you. <laughs> Look at the next verse. This is too good. He says, who is he that condemneth? It is. So who can condemn you in this world? So Satan was not mentioned. And even you yourself was not mentioned. It is. What did Jesus do? He died. Yeah, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. <laughs> How dare you live in condemnation? Do you know, in Isaiah chapter 54, the verse 9 and 10, God swore that he will never be angry with you. Look at that. He says, for this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth. That means when God swore in Genesis, he was swearing for you. He says, so have I sworn that I will not be wrought unto thee, nor rebuke you. Look at the next verse. He says, for the mountain shall depart, and the hills shall be removed. But my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant. Of my peace be removed. Sayeth the Lord that had mercy on thee. Now remember, this is Isaiah 54. What comes before Isaiah 54? Isaiah 53. In Isaiah 53, the Bible tells us that he was wounded for a transgression. So after he died, God said in 54, I will not be angry with you. Woo, this is good. Whoa. Hmm. Tell somebody, hmm. No hmm as in something smelling. <laughs> Isaiah 30, the verse 17. I love the word. Isaiah 30, 17. He says, One thousand shall flee at thy rebuke of one. At the rebuke of five shall ye flee till ye be left. Scripture to is this. I think it was an oversight. Romans chapter 5, the verse 17. Look, it says, For by the offense of one, if for if by the offense of one, death reigned by one, much more they which what? Receive. So Christians don't have. Becoming problems. They have receiving problems. He says, as many as do what? Receive. The word receive in Greek is lambano, which means to take hold of or to seize. As many as take hold of or seize the abundance of grace. So if people are saying, be careful of those grace preachers, God is telling you those who take the abundance of grace. Give me amplified. And let's amplify the whole thing. He says, well then, as one man's trespass, one man's false step and falling away led to condemnation for all men, so one man's act of righteousness leads to acquittal and right standing with God and life for all men. Give me an IV.
Alright. So he says, how much more would those who receive God's what? Abundant provision of grace. Which is the gift of righteousness reign in life through the woman Jesus. So why are you not reigning? It's because you are not receiving the overflow of God's grace. Which is the gift of righteousness. Hmm. It's amazing. The prodigal son took half of his father's property, went to waste it. And he realized he was now eating the food of pigs. And said to himself, in my father's house, even the servants have enough to spare. So he says, let me also go to my father so that I can also have some to eat. So the prodigal son did not repent. He was going home because of food. Because he knows that if he goes as a servant, he will get food to eat. So he says, let me go and tell my father, Father, make me like one of your servants. Why? So that I can eat. So the guy was going back because of food. Not because he repented. And he did a rehearsal of his confession list. And started moving. And guess what? Hey! The Bible says, when his father seared him from afar. So his father did not wait for him to get home. His father ran. Those days, according to Jewish custom, if you are about 30, you are not supposed to run. So the father broke the law to meet him. And the father, you know, the word run there is not run like this. The word run there used in Greek is sprint. 100 meter sprint. <laughs> to meet the son. The Bible says when he met him and saw him, he fell on his neck and kissed him. And the Bible kisses mean different things. Kiss on the neck is forgiveness. Kiss on the feet is worship. Kiss on the cheeks is betrayal. <laughs> and he kissed him on the neck. Forgiveness. <laughs> you can ask Judas. You betray the son of man with a kiss. Are you following this thing? And guess what? He was about to rehearse it. He says, Father! Father said, mm-mm. Take him inside. Kill the best calf. Put on him sandals. The best robe and ring. And let's party. Africa. Your son takes 50% of inheritance. And the boy is coming and you are going to meet him. In Africa, you come and meet daddy at home. You come and meet him at home. He doesn't come and meet you on the junction. He doesn't meet you. You come and meet them at home. And when you come, he has crossed his leg. So, Baba. I told you that, you see, African parenting cannot be compared to God's parenting. Never compare. It's a big mistake. In Africa, wickedness has filled the, the hearts of our fathers. When the sun messes up, they make you kneel down in the sun and receive the punishment. You receive the breeze of the sun. They give you canes. So you see, some of us grew with that understanding that our, the way our parents beat us mercilessly for us, bought us to tear into pieces. That's how God does to us when we also sin. In that same Africa you are in, there are some rich parents in, in this same land. When they are when their sons mess up, you know the punishment, two weeks abroad. 
And the boss says, me? No, I ain't going anywhere. He says, you are going. No, damn. I said, if I was in that house, I would fool every day. I would fool every day. That same house. You know punishment. From what you've done, the driver ain't taking you to school. I'm giving you 500 Ghana cities for taxi. Some Punishment. 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 So you see, punishment is relative. I watched some high school movie and the people messed up. You know their punishment? They were fighting with each other. You know their punishment? They took them to library for three hours. They call it detainment. Africa. Mother Africa. You fool. Go to the library for three hours. You the joke. Your cane has been soaking kerosene. And those days we were wearing boxer shorts with towels at the buttocks. <laughs> because we could anticipate the wickedness of the teachers. He says, touch your toe. Ah, you hear ta on one buttocks. And one buttocks, you hear poof. 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 See? Ah. Is that a hoof on your buttocks? <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> so later the teachers got to know. Before they latch you, they squeeze it. They say, take it off. Hey, praise God. So punishment or parenting is relative depending on the house you were born in. Are you getting it? So even if earthly parents can do this to their children, how much more God? So listen, don't live in condemnation. This woman was even caught in the act of adultery. In the very act. So in the very act, how many people does it take to do? Two. But she was the only one. So where was the man? You see how unfair religion is? Trust me, the man was one of the Pharisees. I'm telling you. And they caught only the woman. Because they could not expose the Pharisee. And they brought her to Jesus. Says Jesus, this one a fat in the law. They said stone him. So they knew Jesus cannot say anything. He says, Master, what say thou? We got her in the very act, and Jesus stood on the ground and started writing. Now you might think he was just writing on the floor. Those days the ground was made of stones, and they quoted the law. The Ten Commandments was written on what stones. Jesus was writing on the stone to tell you, I wrote the law, so I know how to interpret it. Whichever of you have, have not sinned, cast the first stone. And everybody look at the stone. And look at their sin. And put the stone down. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says they all left from the greatest. So the greatest left. So the, the high priest and the rest, they left first. So that means they are the ones who sin more. So they left first. <laughs> to the least. From the greatest to the least. They left first. And the woman was expecting stones, flying stones. By the time she opened her eyes, she saw standing Jesus. He says, woman... Why are you condemners and your accusers? And he says, no, or nay. He says, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. That's the love of God, brother. That's the love of God. So stop living in condemnation. 
Because condemnation can cause diseases in your body. Tell somebody that refuse to live in condemnation. Quickly, number five. This is also very important. Anxiety and fear. You see, many of us take it for granted, but it's serious. Anxiety and fear are one of the causes of sicknesses. Most of you easily panic at anything. You easily panic. You act in fear. You easily act in fear. You need to be careful. Now, let me define this, this for you. Fear and anxiety is simply negative meditation. Negative meditation is anxiety and fear. Negative meditation. You need to be very careful. Because there are some of you, you have not yet had cancer. But because of something you heard, you become meditating on it before it came. We call it negative meditation. That's anxiety. Anxiety is worry. 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 You just worry. Why? Because your mother had a certain disease. And when it started, it started like the way it has started in your body now. He says, hey, what is about happening to me? My mother suffered the same thing. And it looks like I'm also suffering the same thing. So that fear called negative meditation, you begin to activate what was not there. What was not there. Now, fear is dangerous. Fear is dangerous. You see, fear is not just... No. It's, 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 think, you see, it's faith in the opposite. So you are believing the wrong thing. That's fear. So fear is a kind of faith, but it's faith in the negative. It's faith in opposition. That's fear. So you are believing this wrong thing will come to pass in your life. There are people today who sit in a car and they know that the car will have an accident. That's negative meditation. There are many people in their houses, they are not secured because they feel an armed robber will come there and come and kill them. Or they feel something bad is going to happen, yet you cannot figure that bad thing. It is fear and anxiety. It's dangerous. The fact that you are having that extreme pain in this stomach doesn't mean it is cancer. Or it's a tumor. No. Stop imagining these things. The Bible says, For God has not given you the spirit of timidity, of fear. 2 Timothy 1 7. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. So you need to develop a sound mind. There's some of you, you are, you, there's something that happened in the company. You have already imagined your boss giving you your, your letter of exit already. There are some of you, you heard some foolish herbalist on TV telling you, say, oh, Jean, so, a prostate, what? As you heard that in your mind, you have easy. Ah. Okay, 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 okay. That's why my wee wee pieces, pieces, pieces. Continue with the pieces. They said, oh, oh, if you were a man, if you were a man, and then, and then you begin to have certain conditions in your soul, it is prostate. Listen, all these people are marketers. They use fear to get your money. So you need to be very careful even watching people like that. You need to be very careful watching people like that. 
they, we call it, they, they, they use a certain scientific marketing strategy to induce fear in marketing their different strategies. That is how come sometimes they use a celebrity who is a woman who is sexually appealing. Why? Because if you are sexually appealing, the product you are advertising through this naked woman can sell. So it's a selling strategy. So there are also some adverts they use fear to get you to buy. So if you find a herbalist giving you symptoms of sickness and, and you coming to buy this product, you must know that he is trying to get your money. So you need to be careful. Why am I urinating plenty like that? Then you Google. Disadvantages <laughs> or uh, what is the indication of plenty urination? And the first thing Google will give you diabetes. Hey, <laughs> die wine, diabetes. Me, this age, how can I have diabetes? That's why you see, you see 20 year old people having diabetes. You know why? It's not because it's supposed to affect them, they have believed it to happen. So you start googling things. So you start seeing the symptoms. Oh, oh, okay. So, it's, so that means when you are pregnant and you start seeing this sign, that means the baby is about to die. Oh, he says, "This is my only baby." Fear. Fear. You start having some pains in your chest, and you start googling. Listen, Google is not your answer. God's word. God's word. What did God's word say about health? That is what you need to Google. Don't allow science to be your report. Allow God's word to be your report. You know, there are some Christians who go to other places for solution. When it doesn't work, then they come to God. When the things are finally done, he says, God, you are my one and only. No. God was not the one only. You trusted in other gods other than God. Now, look at you. you let me just help you. Some of you have trained yourself. The first thing that comes to your mind when you have headache is what? Para. That is your problem. You were trained as a young child to take para when you have headache. You have not believed God enough to have faith to heal headache. So you see, that is where it begins from. So we have been taught to be like the world. The worldly people have a problem. The first person they see is doctor. Now listen, God, living in divine health does not mean that you are in disagreement with doctors. No, doctors are very good. But I'm teaching you the divine life. There's a step forward. The Bible says do not conform. The word conform means that to adapt to what is not you. So it says do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Bible says, though you are in this world, you are not of this world. Now, what does that scripture mean? I can explain it through the book of Exodus. In Egypt, there were two compartments. Those living in Egypt and the Israelites who were living in a place called Goshen. Are you following? Now, all the plagues that happened in Egypt, there was a place called Goshen. It did not happen there. There was darkness in the land of Egypt, but there was light in Goshen. But Goshen was in Egypt. So though Goshen was in Egypt, it was not of Egypt. 
So what happened to the Egyptians did not happen to the Goshenites in Goshen. You know the meaning of Goshen in Greek, in Hebrew? The word Goshen means presence. So that means through the agency of revelation, you can create a presence around you that forbids what happens to the people of this world. So you can forbid in your own territory what you can permit what will happen to you. He says you are in this world, but not of it. Not of it. Not of it. Tell somebody, fear cannot rule my life. Because God did not give me the spirit of fear. In Job 3.25, you get to know that what Job believed is what happened to him. He says, what I greatly feared has come. So what you greatly fear comes. Thank you, Lord. So we have many Christians who easily believe the reports of human beings. A herbalist, a witch doctor, a doctor, but can't believe God's word. That means you're not living consistently with God's word. There's an imbalance somewhere. Number six, bitterness. Please be watching these things when you go home. It's very key for me. Bitterness has been the number one of the agencies of diseases and sicknesses. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, the Bible makes us know that bitterness is actually a root. Bitterness can take root in your heart. And anything that has roots can grow and bear fruit. So the fruit of the root of bitterness is sickness. There are some heart conditions that came with bitterness. Look, he says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness sprinkling up trouble you. So bitterness can be trouble for a believer if he does not know how to manage it. What is bitterness? Bitterness is anger and disappointment at being treated unfairly or it is simply resentment. So it's anger and disappointment as, at being treated unfairly or simply resentment. Bitterness has been one of the causes of stroke, hypertension, depression, and some heart diseases. Reverend Eastwood was in a healing meeting and he ministered to the sick. And everybody in the, in the place was healed. Except one woman who had goiter. And Reverend Jesus was getting disappointed with the Holy Spirit because everybody was healed except one person. So he was asking God, God, why? Everybody is healed except this woman. Are you disgracing my ministry? And the Holy Spirit said to him, this woman has bitterness in her heart against so many people. Her sickness came out of bitterness. Tell her, if she forgives, she'll be healed now. And Reverend Usu just looked at her and says, Woman, you are full of bitterness. And by word of knowledge, he picked every person that the woman had bitterness against. The woman started weeping. And she confessed by forgiving them. And guess what? The goiter vanished immediately. Immediately. Listen, I know there are people who might have caused you pain. 
You don't want to even see their face. When you see their face, there's something in your heart that bombs up. Listen, it is not affecting them, it's affecting you. And some of you, you are bitter about your parents, bitter about your siblings, bitter about your boss, bitter about your friends, bitter about some people around you. And it's not affecting them, it's affecting you. It's making you grow older than your normal age. And listen, you need to openly mention their names and tell the Holy Spirit, I have forgiven them. I have forgiven them. Praise the Lord. Quickly, number seven, sensuality or focus on the five senses. That one is very simple. It means to resort to the five senses for experience. To resort to the five senses for experience. There are many believers who are five senses believers. What their five senses tell them is what they believe. So if they feel headache, they have headache. You see, life is spiritual. So anything that manifests physically has already taken place in the spirit. When God said to Adam, in the day thou shalt eat, thou shalt surely die, did Adam die immediately? No, but he died what? Spiritually. When Jesus cast the, the fig tree, did it die instantly? It was the next day when they were going, Peter said, Master, the, the tree you cast has withered to the roots. So it didn't happen instantly. Because life is spiritual. So listen, don't look at life from your five senses. What I felt, what I smelled, what I tasted, what I heard. No! The Bible says we walk by faith and not by the senses, sight, or sensory perceptions. So don't get convinced by things you see. There are some of you, you, you said to yourself, when the pain is gone, then I know I'm healed. That is not faith. Faith says I am healed, then the pain goes. The world says, seeing is believing. God's word says, believing is seeing. It's not the same. Are you here with me? It's not the same. Number eight. This one is very simple. Foolish decisions and unhealthy habits by men. So don't think everything I said is just spiritual. Foolish decisions can cause sickness. And unhealthy habits can also cause sicknesses. Bad eating habits can cause sickness. Eating pork meat 12 a.m. And expecting the Holy Ghost to visit you at night. Bad eating habits. You don't eat fruits. So you see how you always have constipation. You have, you have seen it. You're always struggling. You don't eat fruit. No papaw. No banana. No orange. You eat bread. You eat rice. You eat kenke. You eat banku. No orange. <laughs> you don't drink plenty of water. You're always complaining of headaches. Do you know science has discovered that most of the headaches uh, people have is because of lack of water? So there are some few sicknesses. It's just water you need. Because water flashes the body. It flashes the body of toxins. But you won't drink water. Don Simon and Ceres. Calipo. And Mirinda, Mascatella, Sprite. 
I'm teaching good, I know. Bad eating habits. Tell somebody bad eating habits. It's dangerous. I know believers who eat four bottles of cake. He says, Holy Ghost, please wake me up at 3 a.m. He won't wake you up at 3 a.m. He'll wake you up at 6 p.m. The Holy Ghost cannot wake you up after eating four bottles of cake. 11 p.m. And trust him. Holy Ghost, I'm trusting you tonight again. You can't trust him for that grace. He doesn't give grace like that. Because he knows when he wakes you up at 3, you sleep again. Because the body is heavy, it's full. Praise God. Stress. Some of you stress yourself. You come home from work, you just be gallivanting in the area. Hey, hey, bo. What's up? You went sleep. Taking greetings. What's happening? What's happening? Even when crossing the road, what's happening? Peeping, hey. You sleep. Stress. Allergy and death. That one, I'm joking. Because I know some people don't like that one. Allergy and death. And this year, death. No. They be. Do you feel sleepy? No, 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 I'm not feeling sleepy. <laughs> Let's talk. Let's talk. Oh, oh, baby, are you sure you are not sleeping? Oh, come on. I. <laughs> my eyes for you. Don't worry. <laughs> you sleep. Oh baby, I'm feeling like the way your voice is, it's like, no, 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 no. That's how my voice is in the evening. <laughs> it's natural. <laughs> in the morning, you are aware. We call it the things we do for love. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm just remembering some things I did when I was dating. <laughs> some were not funny at all. I went to spread my wife at KFC. And my money got finished. <laughs> I didn't take enough. You want this order? Order! <laughs> we have to board taxi home. Put my hand in my pocket. Finish. I was left with two CDs. Baby, are you okay? Oh, I'm fine. <laughs> I said, I want to go to the washroom. <laughs> I'll be back. I went to the washroom. I called my big sister, Kate Patros, and move my wife. Send me more money. <laughs> I'm teaching good here. <laughs> so you don't sleep. So on this part, then you'll be having headaches. Mm. <laughs> Praise God. 
you know, and you know, thank God men like that are not here. But we are men who sleep with anything they see. That one too, a, a game problem. <laughs> yeah. Because you'll be having different, different STDs. Then you give it to uh, your, your, your wife. So it's all part of it. It's all causes of sickness. Why are you looking at my face like that? <laughs> it's all part of the sickness. Tell somebody it's all part. So be careful. All right. So let me conclude. Though I'm not done, I have to conclude because we have to pray. So if you are sick here, get ready. You're going to be healed now. Okay. All right. So what I want you to know before we, we pray is that sickness is spiritual. Sickness is spiritual. Sin is not physical. Sin is a spirit. In that same way, sickness is also a spirit because sickness came from sin. Okay. So if Jesus bore our sin, what did Jesus do to our sickness? He bore them the same way. So just like Jesus bore our sins, he bore our sickness. So Jesus bore our sickness, right? He bore our sins. So in the same way he bore our sins, he bore our sickness. So what do you do to get uh, uh, saved? You believe. What do you do to work in divine health? Believe. So in the same way God dealt with sin and the same way you receive Jesus is the same way you walk in divine health. Because what he did to sin, he did to sickness. So the same way you receive Jesus is the same way you walk in divine health. Faith. Believe. Confess. Divine health. Believe. Confess. You must believe it. Praise God. So now you see divine health must become a persuasion and a conviction in your life not a method or formula so it's not like uh, you, you are you learn some formula somewhere no it must become your personal conviction it, it must become your persuasion you you are too convinced about the reality of divine health now you see you must understand that faith is actually the hand that takes what grace provides. So, faith does not work without the finished work. What grace has not made available, it is not available for faith. So, your faith is only in motion within the parameters of the finished work. So, there are some things you cannot demand from God. What God has provided is what you can believe him for. So if God has made provision for your health, faith can take it. So faith is the hand that takes what grace has provided. So what grace has not provided, has not provided, you cannot believe God for it. God did not provide someone's wife in the finished work. So your faith cannot believe God for it. Beautiful example. The finished work did not make witches available for you to kill them. So, what did the finished work do? Your fin the finished work of Jesus Christ can be a basis where your faith can be used to fortify yourself so that witches see you as unstoppable and come to you to, to ask you, by what power are you operating in? And you tell them resurrection. Resurrection power. 
So faith is not for killing witches because the resurrection did not provide for it. The finished work of Jesus did not provide for killing witches. That is how come you can see believers operating in faith but their faith is out of place. He says, if I have faith and I can move mountains but have not love, he says, I am nothing. So someone says, what if the witches are killing people? You don't understand this thing. If you are well fortified by revelation, no witch can stand you. In the book of Acts chapter 8, if you read from 5 to 9, you are going to see there was a a witch called Simon. He also heard the gospel and he was saved. In other words, in the Old Testament, he says, suffer not a way to live. In the New Testament, he says, for God so loved the world. So it's not about saying that this witch has destroyed me. No, no, no. If you know who you are in Christ, witches cannot destroy you. The demon said, Jesus Christ, I know. Paul, I know. Who are you? So you must know who you are for demons to know that you know. I'm teaching you. There was a time uh, some people forbade Jesus from entering Jerusalem and the disciples said, Master, let us call fire to kill them like Elijah did. And the Bible says, Jesus stained and rebuked them and said, you do not know the man of spirit you are of. For the son of man did not come to take man's life, but that the world through him may be saved. So God did not give you grace to kill witches. So if you use grace to kill witches, you are your own. And you answer for it. Everybody is silent here. So your faith should make you build revelation and capacity enough to be well fortified so that witches cannot even penetrate. When they send them to you, they said, this guy, I ain't going. The witch will slay, say, I ain't going. Because you have become unstoppable. Come on, shout it, unstoppable. Unstoppable. No weapon. weapon. That is a realm. No weapon. weapon. Are you getting what I'm saying? No weapon is a realm. So what a lot of ministers are failing to do is to raise the people of God to a place of maturity where demons cannot affect their lives. But today, many are being manipulated by the ministers so that they will always come to them for help. That's not what God's dream. In Ephesians 4.11, he says he gives some to the apostles, prophets, some teachers, some pastors and, and, and evangelists for the what? Perfecting of the saints. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So God wants to make every believer operate and function just like Jesus. If what Jesus could do on earth, God wants to bring every believer so that what Jesus can do is exactly what every believer can do. So believers who go for deliverance services are ignorant believers. And I can teach you that from the scripture. Because according to New Testamental realities, the believer has been delivered. But until you know this truth, you will be delivered. Colossians 1.13, he says, Who has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. We explained the other time that if a man kidnapped you, took you to the evil forest and tied you there, you are a captive. If I go there and rescue you by untying the ropes and killing the people, what have I done? I have delivered you. 
But you are still in the evil forest. But if I transfer you from the evil forest into the city, you have been transferred. So the Bible says, who has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his son? He's telling you the believer is delivered and transferred. So you are not in that family of bondage and yoke. No, you are in God's kingdom. And I've explained to you technicalities of demonology. I've explained to you there are three levels. We have demon possession. We have demonic manipulation. And we have demonic influence. Demon possession is when a demon possesses your spirit, soul, and body. That's an unbeliever. Because his spirit is for the devil. Satan is his spiritual father. But when you get born again, if you are ignorant, you can be manipulated and oppressed by demons in your body. But no demon can live in your spirit. Because your spirit is now born of God. And the Holy Spirit is in your spirit. And the Holy Spirit cannot share any demon. So, demons cannot live in your spirit after you are born again. But they can live in your body. Because of your ignorance. Then the third level is called demonic influence. That is when demons influence your mind to take wrong decisions. Am I helping someone here? So the believer has been delivered. But you must know this reality. I explained to you the other time, the scripture scripture that says that when an unclean spirit goes out of man, if you read that scripture well in Matthew 12, he didn't say when an unclean spirit goes out of a new creation. He says a man. So this man is not born again. He says he goes to seek refuge and when he finds none, what does he say? I will return again to my house so the demon is claiming ownership the house is mine is your body for a demon who is your body for the temple of god so that scripture is not about a christian when you are born again your body is god's house so no demon can call god's house his house because jesus paid for that house with his blood and the bible says when he comes and finds it well swept, kept. Look at the last one, empty. Does God save you and leave you empty? What does he do? He comes to occupy. He says, he goes and brings seven other more wicked spirits than him. And the former state of the man is made worse. No, that's not the state of the believer. The Bible tells us that we have the seven spirits of God. That's the seven manifestations of the Holy Spirit in the man. The spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of might, the spirit of, uh, uh, of knowledge, the spirit of uh, the fear of the Lord. It's in us, manifestation. And our state becomes better. Because the path of the just is like a shining sun, shining ever brighter and brighter onto the perfect day. Listen, your life is not going backwards. It's going forward and forward and forward from glory to glory, from strength to strength, from grace to grace. I'm teaching good here. Give me five minutes and I'll be out of here. Not out of the building. I know I'm blessing some people here. Say my body cannot be inhabited because my body is already occupied. In the Old Testament, God visited men in their bodies. So after he finished using you, he leaves like something. The spirit came and left. 
In the New Testament, God does not give you visitation. He comes to inhabit you. We call it habitation. So, your body has now become God's headquarters. God came and settled. So, in the New Testament, God does not come and go. Because your body is not a hotel. Your body is God's home. Say, my body is God's home. My body is God's home. Now, quickly, I'm going to give you divine health secrets. Divine health secrets. I'm going to say it very fast so you can write it down very fast so you can get the message. Number one, you don't have to live right before you walk in divine health. These are secrets you must know. You don't have to live right before you walk in divine health. Am I against living right? No. I'm just letting you know what Jesus has provided for. What Christ has done for you, right living cannot do it. So, many people think by doing right, then they live in health. That's wrong. Jesus purchased your health by his blood, not because you did something good. So divine health is not rewarded. Divine health is a package of salvation. So as a believer, you must never imagine yourself ending healing or divine health because of something good you have done. Because divine health is not a reward for living right. Are you following this teaching? Divine health is not a reward for living right. Divine health is a package of salvation that was paid by the blood of Jesus. So Jesus paid for your health. So in case you blow it or you miss it or you do something bad, don't think it is now God going to punish you for something you did. No. Number two, recognize sickness as an enemy. You don't pamper or entertain sickness. You must recognize sickness as an enemy. Sickness is not a friend. Sickness is an enemy. Please note this. It's very key. It's very key. Recognize sickness as a chief enemy. Number three. Get fed up of being sick. I'm giving you divine health secret. Get fed up of being sick. So it starts by the little, little headaches. You must get fed up of it. So you must be angry with all your heart about sickness. Before you can come to a place where you can live in divine health. Number four, quickly. Treat all sickness the same. Treat all sickness the same. Don't say this one is normal headache. No, normal headaches can kill. So treat all sicknesses the same. So don't say cancer is more serious than headache. No. There are people who have cancer and still live longer than those who have headaches and died. So treat all sicknesses the same. How do I mean? You must, you must, you must be angry about any form of sickness that attacks your body. So the same way you deal with cancer, deal with Qatar. The same way you deal with um, tuberculosis, deal with headache the same way. So treat all sickness the same. So if it's headache that comes, be angry and say, in the name of Jesus, I command you to go out. So you must treat all sicknesses, what? The same. Number five, treat sicknesses as a personality. Treat sickness as a person. So if the sickness has a name, mention the name. Treat it as a personality because sickness is a person. It has, it has a personality. 
Are you following this thing? So treat sickness as a person. So if you are rebuking sickness in your body or in, in another person's body, sorry, treat it as a person. Let it look like a person you are dealing with. Are you following this? Number six. Command. Don't beg. Command. Don't beg. Don't apologize to the sickness. You must command the sickness. When I say command, you speak with authority. You speak as a man of authority. In the name of Jesus. You don't pamper sickness by talking to it gently. Sickness. Sickness. Why are you doing this to me? Don't you know I'm a child of God? Don't you know Jesus died for me? Sickness does not understand it. The only language sickness understands is violence. Please, are you following what I'm saying? I want you to be well. Oh. This year, from now to December, you never go to the hospital. Yeah. That's why I'm teaching you this. Number seven, speak to the sickness and not to people. Who can do nothing about it? Speak to the sickness and not to people who can do nothing about it. The friends you normally share all your sickness with, you make phone calls, you have a call log telling people you have malaria. Oh, sweetie, who needs malaria? three months. Speak to the sickness and not to people about the sickness. Who can do nothing about it? They only tell you, oh, menstrual, be a bear fine. I don't want to hear be a bear fine about my, my, my condition. No. So speak to the sickness and not to people. Many of you spend more time speaking to people about the sickness and you don't deal with the sickness. So number one is also very key. The Bible says by his stripes you are healed. He said by your good works you are healed. By his stripes. Are you following Quickly, how to walk in divine health. Saying very quickly. Number one, your knowledge and persuasion of God's word. Your knowledge and persuasion of God's word. Your knowledge and persuasion of God's word. So you must understand that God's word is not for storage. God's word is for living. Many of you have stored a lot of scriptures, you are not doing any of them. It's not for storage, it's for living. So you must have a storehouse or a treasure of scriptures about sickness and divine health and healing. So you must be able to have scriptures speaking about health before you can even know it to believe God to walk in it. So if you want to live in divine health, yet you don't even know three scriptures in mind about what Jesus has done to your sickness, you are not ready to walk in divine health. Are you following what I'm saying? Proverbs chapter 4, the verse 20. God's word is health, is medicine. God's word is medicine. Third John chapter 2, you can write all these scriptures down. They are, they are there for your he uh, healing. Okay? What God's word has said about uh, health. I'm giving you most of them. 3 John 2. 3 John 2. 
He says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in what? Good health. So it's God's desire for you to be in good health. But it must be your desire too. So the fact that it's God's desire for you to walk in divine health does not mean you walk in divine health. It must become your persuasion. Are you following this? Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. So you must go and read these scriptures and meditate on it. He says, for he has only borne our griefs. The word griefs there is sickness. And carried our sorrow. The word sorrow there is pains. So any pain in your body has already been carried by Jesus. He says, yet we did esteem him, stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Number five. He says, for he was wounded. Are you seeing that? So Jesus was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. First Peter chapter 2, the verse 24. 1 Peter 2, the verse 24. Now look, Isaiah says, By his stripes ye are healed. Now Peter says, Who in his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. So he's telling us that our healing is in the past. And we need to believe it. Tell somebody, my healing is in the past. Say, my healing is in the past. Say, I am healed. Come on, shout it, I am healed. I am healed in the name of Jesus. Romans 8, 11. He says, but if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwelleth in you, then he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also vitalize or quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. So the Holy Ghost has the capacity of quickening your body to make it live in health. So you must meditate on this scripture. Psalm 107, the verse 20. I'm giving you healing scriptures. You need to go and read them. You need to put it down in your diaries, notebooks, your phones. Read them. He said he sent his word and did what? Heal them. So God's word carries healing. So when God sends his word, healing is in his word. He sent his word and healed them. Psalm 103, the verse 2. And three, Psalm 103, the verse 2. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now he's about to state God's benefits for you as his beloved. Look at the next verse. He says, Who forgiveth all thy iniquities? Benefit one. Number two, he says, Who healeth all thy disease? In the New Testament, who has healed all your disease? So one of the benefits of Calvary is number one, forgiveness. Number two, health. Because he healed you. So healing and divine health is a benefit of the cross. Are you following this thing? So you must angrily partake in your inheritance in Christ. Tell somebody I walk in divine health as a benefit of redemption. I walk in divine health as a benefit of redemption. Are you being blessed? Number two, speak in tongues. Learn to speak in tongues. The Bible says, He that speaketh in a known tongue edifieth himself. He edifies himself. The word edify is from the Greek word oikodomio. The word oikodomio means to build or to repair or to restore. So it says, He that speaketh in a known tongue edifieth himself. 
The word himself means your spirit, your soul, and your body. So the more time you spend in speaking in tongues, you are repairing your body. The Bible says your body is God's temple. So if your body is God's temple, there could be leakages, you can repair it by speaking in tongues. Are you following me? But you see, you can speak in tongues out of a place of lack of revelation. When you speak in tongues with this revelation, it begins to operate. So many of you have been speaking in tongues, but you don't know the power of speaking in tongues. It's a weapon. It's a repairer. There was a man called uh, Carl Peterson, who was a doctor, yet a Christian. He did a certain test on the human brain as it relates to tongues. And you'll be surprised. He said he put people who don't speak in tongues and asked them to pray with their own language and put another person on a machine who speaks in tongues. He said when those who don't speak in tongues were praying normally in English, when he was checking their brains, nothing happened. He said when those who spoke in tongues, the man who speaks in tongues on the machine, began to speak in tongues, there was a certain organ in the brain which is actually very dormant. It does not work. When you begin speaking in tongues, that organ begins to work. And guess what? That organ begins to secrete a certain fluid. And that fluid enters into a man's body and gives him health. And he says that that organ in the brain is dormant until a man begins to speak in tongues. Can you imagine God set a certain organ in your brain that will only function when you speak in tongues? Now this is amazing. So when you are speaking in tongues, there is an organ releasing secretions into your body to keep it healthy. Can you imagine having this revelation and speaking in tongues only on Sundays? No. Thank God, this is glory. Today I was just spending, I spent six hours, 30 minutes praying in tongues. Three weeks ago, I was in a three-day fast. The first day, I, I, was, I was sharing with you, I prayed 18 hours continuously, speaking in tongues. The next day, I prayed 15 hours continuously, speaking in tongues. The third day, I, I spent seven hours speaking in tongues. There was a certain refreshment in my body. I knew I cannot be sick. Because I was speaking in tongues with this revelation in mind. So you can imagine the fluids have released in my body. Tell somebody, it's impossible for me to be sick. Can you release some tongues on your head right now? Lado, Kaba, Dadaya, Robo, Kodevia, Sandoboto. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue does not speak unto men, but speaketh unto God. How be it he speaketh mysteries in the spirit? Labanda, Dediasha, Varata, Tonimia, Tango, Rabataga. He edifieth himself. He repairs himself. He strengthens himself. He builds himself. Land in Jesus name hold on let me finish this I have three more then we are done number three the communion how to walk in divine health the communion number three believers must learn to take the communion we've had a wrong teaching on the communion so we have made the communion feel like it's only the church that can give communion and if you have seen you don't come to communion table so you see in churches where people who knew they have not seen in the week rise up and come to the communion table with confidence. And those who sin in the week are sitting there and they are watching them. Mm-hmm. Sinners like you. Meanwhile, it's only one week he was living right. So it has breathed 
self-righteousness in the life of many believers. They'll feel more confident when they have not sinned in the week and feel more less confident when they've sinned. How can you live your life this way? Listen, the communion is, is not for those who have lived right. The first group of people who actually took the communion were sinners, the disciples. They were not born again, yet they took the communion. So the communion is actually a spiritual delicacy that has the power to give health to the believer. Paul says, whoever eats of this blood and body unworthily drinketh damnation. You know what he was saying? He was saying that if you drink, if you take the blood and the body unworthily, he explained later, he says, not drinking with discernment. Discernment is revelation. Anytime you take the communion and you see bread and drink, you are taking it unworthily. Anytime you feel that is because of your rightness that has brought you to the table, you are taking it unworthily. Because he says the communion is not taken in remembrance of your right living or your sins. He says do this in remembrance of me, what I did for you. He says for this reason, many of you, what reason? Because you are not taking it rightly without discernment and revelation. Many of you are sick and some are weak and some have died. In other words, the communion can give health, strength and life. Are you following what I'm saying? In other words, when you have blown it, when you have actually done something that is not right before God, you must come to the table. And as you eat it and hold it, he says, this is the body that was broken for me. He wore the crown of tongues, so I wore the crown of grace. His side was pierced, so that out of my, his, my belly shall flow rivers of living water. His face was disfigured, so my face will be figured and transfigured. His hands was pierced, so that the work of my hands will be blessed. His feet was pierced, so that wherever the source of me shall tread upon, I will possess. So when you're holding the bread, you remember everything his body accomplished for you on the cross. And as you hold it, he says, no, sin cannot have dominion over my body. Because Jesus' body was given for my sins. As you hold the blood, the blood brought you forgiveness. The Bible says this blood speaketh better things than the blood of Abel. What did the blood of Abel speak? It spoke vengeance. It was crying against Cain to kill, kill him because of what he did to me. But the Bible says the blood of Jesus speaketh better. What does it speak? Grace. Healing and health. The Bible says the life of the flesh is in the blood. So as you take the blood, the body and the blood, what you are saying is that it begins to replace the life in your blood. Number four, confessions. Make the right confessions. I've explained that already, so make the right confessions. Number five, constant, keep a constant atmosphere of joy. Proverbs 17, 22. An atmosphere of joy is medicine. Some of you are always frowning. He says, a merry heart do it good like, like what? Medicine. So your mood matters to your health. So don't be a moody believer. You're always angry at people. You're always bitter at people. Keep a heart of joy. James chapter 1 verse 2 to 4. He says, count it all joy when you go through trials and temptations. Count it joy. Finally, before we close. That one is common sense approach. Live wisely. Tell somebody live wisely. That means de develop good healthy habits. 
eat well, live a life of glory to God. I'm done with you.